Thank you. All right. Well, I just want to share just for 10 minutes because it's nearly the end of the service. It's been a bit of a full morning this morning. We've got DMS coming up and uh, we've got a serious world that we're living in. Things just seem to change every single day, don't they? Uh, Just this week we heard the terrifying and absolutely uh, disgusting thing that happened in New Zealand in Christchurch, and uh, it's just heartbreaking to realise yet again there's been destruction, there's been death, there's been, uh, you know, pure hatred coming out of uh, a human being. And Brahm said to me this morning, and I'll quote him, he said, it's crazy how people actually use religion um, or a belief system as a tool or a disguise for pure hatred. And uh, so if ever there was a time for people to be in a, some sort of a revival, I think it's now. And when I say the word revival, we think of all sorts of moves of God that we may have seen of, seen, seen happen, we may have heard of, we may have read books about. But I want to talk to you about it just really briefly about another form of revival that I believe is true revival. And that is a revival in the truth of God's word that has to come through in every aspect of a person's life. And uh, I think it's, it's, we're living in urgent days when we start to see things like this. People in, from our own society here in Australia thinking that they've got some form of truth that they can go into another nation and do what they're doing. He wasn't doing it on religious grounds, but he was killing people because of their religious belief systems. Now, people are people wherever we go. I don't know if everyone realises, but Brahm and I actually have... Well, Brahm's youngest brother is a Muslim. And so my brother-in-law and my stunningly gorgeous sister-in-law are Muslims. And they are two of the nicest kindest, most magnificent people you will ever meet. And uh, so for Brahm and I, this whole thing of Muslims and non-Muslims is a, is, is a non-issue because when Brahm and I first met uh, 40, 40, nearly 43 years ago, we, um, all our friends were Muslims. It wasn't even a thing. No one thought about what religion you were. It's become this big thing here in the West and people get carried away with it and the church is, has a lot to, to answer for, in my, in my opinion. Because the church, the church leaders and the church people are the ones that need to be speaking into the belief systems of a society. We are the ones that need to be forming the belief systems in, into people around us. And when we start to see people with wrong belief systems and, uh, and declaring that they have something to say against other belief systems, there's something inherently wrong there. And we as the church need to have a very loud voice when it comes to what it looks like to truly love people. I am so proud of the New Zealanders. I'm so proud of their Prime Minister and the way that they have been embracing and saying they are us, these people are us, because that is the truth. Yeah, we're all human beings and we're all on a journey and learning how to be, how to be people that, that learn to love God. The most dangerous and deadly thing is when any beliefs, any religious belief system starts to weaponize their faith. The, the craziest thing is when anybody, Christian, non-Christian, any other form of religion begins to weaponize their doctrinal belief system. That is deadly and that is definitely not the heart of God. God didn't weaponize Jesus, he caused Jesus to die and to lay down his life. And that's, that's the, the role model for us. So we're living in very interesting times. Discipleship is the issue. Discipleship in churches is the key. Heaven knows Australia doesn't need more mega churches. 
with branding and, you know, amazing experiences and atmospheres that cause us to feel Christians, we're, we're beyond that. We don't need that. We need to produce and reproduce strong disciples in the truth of the Word of God. There's no other way around this. This is hard work, but it's going to be fruitful work. It's got to happen, and we all have to know clearly how to walk strongly with the Lord and have a relationship with God. See, the greatest thing is, is learning how to journey with God. Next month is actually 40 years since Brahm and I became Christians. We didn't know we were becoming Christians at the time, if any of you have heard my story, our story, but that's when we began to pray to Jesus, when we were living together. I'm going to ask for some water if that's okay. Um, That's when we were living together in Indonesia, and, uh, and it's 40 years ago in April that we began to pray and ask Jesus to, to just begin to speak to us. And I began to read my Bible. It was a year and a half later before we even thought of going to church, but we already walked with Jesus. So when we lead Discipleship Ministry School, we're coming from the perspective that we know what it's like to be changed from the inside out. It's not church that changes us. It's not a Christian heritage that changes you. It's not a Christian upbringing that changes you. I had a Christian upbringing. My mum would pray the Lord's Prayer with me every single night, sitting on my bed before I'd go to sleep. But I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know Jesus until I was 19, almost 20. It's a personal relationship. And even then, it wasn't going to church that made me a Christian. It was journeying with the Lord. And all these years later, 40 years later, walking with the Lord, the same voice that spoke to us back then is exactly the same voice that speaks to us now. The same voice that spoke to me back then and said, Diane, stop sleeping with your boyfriend and throw the pill away. My year's supply of the pill that I was very excited about. The same voice that spoke to me and said that no one was telling me what to do. I was living opposite a, a, a pop group, number one, no, rock group in the, in the nation of Indonesia, got me into marijuana and also drugs and all sorts of stuff. We were already heavy drinkers. We were not surrounded by people who were discipling us. We were not surrounded by people who wanted to lead us into a holy living. We were living what we thought was the life. I'd, my family were already back in Australia. I was living up in Indonesia. We had a great life doing what we were doing there as singers. And uh, thank you very much. And, um, and yet we began to pray to Jesus. So we know what it is to be changed from the inside out. I want you to open your Bibles really quickly. I'll just read this scripture because this will be our kickstart for those of you who are doing DMS. This is, this is what I do in my orientation as well, this, this particular scripture, but it's amazing. This is a picture of a disciple. The world, Australia needs disciples of Jesus. It doesn't need more glamorous churches. It needs strong, beautiful disciples who permeate society, who literally become like salt in society with the love of God and the truth of God. Isaiah uh, chapter 50, verses 4, right through to 7. Isaiah 50, 4 to 7. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. 
I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. This is obviously speaking about Jesus, but Jesus is our role model for discipleship. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we follow. If he's our master, if he's our teacher, then how much more is it going to happen to us? You know, these scriptures are just absolutely amazing. What we can see from here, number one, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. What we see straight away is that our language begins to change when we're a disciple. Come on, could you put that up? Thanks. Our language begins to change. Our words will end up changing others. You know, I look back on that moment when Brahm and I were walking out the door to go to a witch doctor um, to find our stolen uh, cassette player or whatever it was back in 1979. Cassette player. It was, it was cool though, excuse me, everybody. And uh, thank you. And we were going to go to a witch doctor because, you know, Brahm's mother was an intercessor for Jesus, but his father was a warlock. So there's an interesting combination for you. And uh, so we were going to do that, but he said, no, we're going to go back and we're going to pray to Jesus. Now, he prayed to Jesus, and that's when our lives began to change. And looking back now, we realize that the Bible says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We didn't know that. We didn't know any scriptures. I didn't know anything. But his words, Brahm's words that day, his language changed, and his words affected me. And it says, the Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Brahm spoke a word that day that changed the course of my life, let alone his. I can still picture myself walking out that door. I can see it, Brahm. I can see the veranda and I can see us stopping. That was the changing point, the turning point for my life, the greatest, most momentous moment of my life, meeting Jesus. And uh, that was in April 1979. You know, Isaiah 8.16 says, Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. In other words, the Word of God goes into disciples and it stays there. Now, Brahm had been taught the Word of God. He went to a you know, Dutch Reformed church. He used to speak about the Word of God as a little boy. But he still had to have an experience with God. But it turns, up the, turns out that the Word of God, which is an incorruptible seed was in his heart all those years, lying dormant, but it was there ready to sprout when the moment came. You know, all the years that you've sown the Word of God in, not only into yourselves, but even to the lives of those around you, it's an incorruptible, imperishable seed. And it's gone into the lives of those around you who have listened to that Word. I've got people in my life that I'm declaring that over. I say, no, devil, you are, the story isn't over yet. The incorruptible, the, the seed of the Word of God that cannot die is in their hearts. And you will speak to them. You will sprout and you will get, bear a crop and you will bear fruit in their lives. That's what happened to Brahm all those years of Sunday school and the Word of God going in. And then him becoming this, you know, whatever he became, completely rebellious and everything. You'll hear the story in DMS. Smoking dope in the classroom, everything, he did it all. And, um, and got away with it, crazy. But, uh, you know, it was the Word of God because the law was sealed in his heart. It was sealed in the heart of a disciple. And at the right time, God says, now the Word of God will bear fruit. Will that bore fruit in my life? And, you know, when we get the Word of God, we start to die. That's, that's the crazy thing. When the Word takes, takes root in our heart, it begins to spring up and comes alive in our heart, it lives and we begin to die. 
And not only do we die to our own fleshly desires, but we start to give ourselves away. And that is the hallmark of a disciple. That is the hallmark of a disciple. It says, you know, that I, and I begin to sustain the weary one with the word. In other words, it's no longer just about me. The minute I meet that word of God, the minute I gain the tongue of a disciple, I immediately begin to give out to others. That's what happened to me. I knew nothing, but somehow I felt I knew everything because I knew Jesus. I began to tell everybody about Jesus. Before I even went to church, I was telling everybody about Jesus. Before we even went to church, we were already singing for Jesus on TV in Australia. Like, it's crazy when I look back at it because we met him. See, he's the most important thing. Church is the byproduct. Church is what you run to when you've fallen in love with Jesus. You can't stay away from church when you're in love with Jesus because you're hungry for the Word of God and you're hungry to be with His people. So that's what the Word of God does. And, and we begin to refresh other people. The Word of God is so powerful. Hebrews, uh, sorry, yeah, Hebrews 31, 25 says, For I satisfy the weary one. You can just write these down. I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. Psalms 119, 25 says, My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Verse 107 says, I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me according to your word. Verse 154 says, Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. So when we have sorrow or despair, when we have pressure or torment, when we need justice, when we need advocacy, when we need his right standing and his righteousness, we still just need his word. This is the move of God that we need. We need people to have the tongues of disciples. Because when you have the tongues of disciples, the next verse says that he wake, awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. You see, when, when you begin to have the word of God in you and it becomes out of your mouth, the second thing is our thoughts are awakened to God's thoughts. Our, our thoughts are awakened to his thoughts. 1 John 2 verses 20 and 27 talks about an anointing within. We have an anointing within that teaches us. His thoughts begin to come, become our thoughts. His thoughts became my thoughts before I even knew it was his thoughts in me. What could change a 20-year-old from wanting to live with her boyfriend in a, in a very secular city, in a very secular nation without her parents, without any restrictions around her? It's impossible. It's impossible. But it's, it was totally, it totally happened to me because of the grace of God, because his anointing in me began to speak to me. So our thoughts are awakened to God's thoughts. He does the work in us. This is what happens when we position ourselves to be discipled. Psalm 119 verses 147 to 148 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. So at night time we meditate on the word of God and in the morning we're listening to what he will say. We pour the word in and then we listen back. The word and the spirit have to work together. He opens our ears. Psalm 40 verse 6 says, my ears you have opened. He wants to open up our ears to be able to hear. He wants us to be able to listen to what he has to say. We become Let's see, what's the next verse? Number three, it says, And I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. 
Number three, we become pliable in the hands of God. In other words, we're harnessed by him and our actions change. We're no longer disobedient. See, often what we do, people try really hard not to disobey. They try to correct their actions first. They try and say, well, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to try really hard not to be like that anymore. And we try really hard not to be disobedient. But that's not how it works. I wasn't trying at all not to be disobedient as a 19-year-old. I couldn't have cared less what anyone thought. I was doing what I wanted to do. I was going to live with whoever I wanted to live with, do whatever I want. I wasn't trying not to be disobedient, but he arrested my heart. He gave me the tongue of a disciple. His thoughts became my thoughts, and my heart began to change. And I began to desire what he wanted. And I said to Brahma, I don't think we should be doing this anymore. For one year, a whole year, we lived separate until we got married. It's like only the Spirit of God could do something quite miraculous like that. It's amazing. So we, we become pliable in the hands of God. Number four, it says, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. We are willing, we learn to, be, to willingly love even at a personal cost because we know who our strength is. This is the journey of discipleship. First of all, it just begins with our words. Then it begins with our minds and our hearts and our thoughts begin to change. Then our action and our behaviour follows that change. And now we begin to act differently even to others. Now we just begin to, to willingly love at a personal cost. This is what the journey of a disciple looks like. Do you know how many Christians, it's like they're stunted, their growth is stunted and they're still back here. They're still back here after 20 years, 30 years of, of walking with God or supposedly walking with the Lord and they're still trying to change their thoughts or they're still trying to understand what the Word of God is saying to them. And yet the, there is a journey that God wants us to walk on and this is what a disciple looks like. We begin to willingly love at personal cost. And then the last one, therefore, I love this, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Woo! At the very end, you see, this is called the journey of God. This is called journeying with God. First of all, you know about God, then you learn more about God, and then you journey with God and you begin to know his nature. And this is where we become resolute in our focus. We become resolute in our determination, not because we're so great now and we're so strong-minded and, and we're so strong-willed and we're older and we can do this. No, 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 no. It's got nothing to do with that. It's because we've learned the nature of God. We've learned really who he is. We don't have to impress anyone. We don't have to win anything. We don't have to be better than anyone. We don't have to do my church is bigger than your church.com. We don't have to be, I'm the coolest pastor in town.org.au. You know, we don't have to do any of that. The older you get in the Lord, the journey should tell us that you walk with him and you, you know his nature and you know his goodness. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And then you start to look back and go, if only I'd known this. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. 
But you know what? That's why us oldies are here to help you young ones, to lead you into that place, to take you into that place of growth. And that's why we pour out our hearts. Last scripture, Psalm 18. I know this has been quick, but you'll get the full download in, in DMS. Psalm 18, 1 to 2 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He's the one. He's our strength. He's the one we're following. He's the one we look to. We're going to pray right now. Uh, In fact, This last scripture in Matthew 13, it says, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I want us to just pray for our our eyes and our ears, not not our our physical eyes and our ears, but our our spiritual eyes and our ears and our our hearts. Let's let's pray that we would be like this disciple in, in like Jesus here, that we would be awakened by God to be able to hear and to be able to see. We need an awakening in the Word of God. We need the tongues of disciples. What Australia needs is, is, is kindness coming off of our lips, is words of truth, is love exhibited through our lives that can only come through the Word of God, not human love, not humanistic love, but true love that can really only come from the love of God. And that comes as we journey with Him. So let's just lay our hands right now on our, um, on our eyes and let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we want to be these disciples, Lord. We want to be these people. We want you to awaken us, Lord. We ask that you would, that you would uh, bless our spiritual sight to be able to truly see what you see. We are living in, in grave times, Father. We are living in serious times around the world where nations are uh, believing in strange things and they're adhering to strange things. They're, uh, they're, they're, there's just so much vying for our attention. And Lord, sometimes I ache and go, God, where is the voice of the church? Because the church carries your truth. But Father, I ask that you would come and build your church, Lord, that you would use us. So Father, as we lay hands on our eyes, we do it as a symbol, Father, of our spiritual eyes. And I ask that you would cause us to see the hope of your calling, Lord, enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we would know the hope of your calling and the glorious inheritance that is within us, Father. You have an inheritance within us, Lord Jesus. So we ask you, Father, come and and take hold of the inheritance within us, Father. And now let's lay, lay hands on our ears. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to listen as a disciple. Awaken our spiritual ears, Lord, to hear. Awaken our ears to hear, Lord Jesus, so that we would know, we would hear, and we would grow, Father, in the truths that you have. Father, it's not just more head knowledge that we need. It's revelation of your Word in our lives. Father, even as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, revive me according to your Word. Whatever I'm facing, whatever torment, whatever pressures, whatever injustice is coming against me. Father, revive me. Your Word says it's the Word that that strengthens us no matter what we're facing. So Father, revive us according to Your Word. Now let's lay hands on our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, You declared that we, that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. So Lord, You you want to cause us to be wholehearted. Father, we pray for every part of our hearts that is broken today. Even those parts that we don't know a broken Lord. Every single one of us has brokenness in our lives until the day that we die, Lord, we'll be dealing with. 
But Father, you came to set the captives free. You came to bind up the brokenhearted. You came to heal us, Lord. And so, Father, heal our hearts. Bind up our hearts. Strengthen us. Make us wholehearted because, God, there is a world that needs us, Lord. There is a world that is crying out for truth. And, Lord, heaven knows right now the church in our nation is not in a position of strength. But, Lord... It's so awesome to know that you're the one building the church and not us. So, Father, we say, Lord, use us. Use us, Lord. We surrender everything in Jesus' name. Amen.